decision. Okay, so we're beginning a new year, and the new year is a time when we think about change, right? About transformation, about making some changes in our life. We try to get a hold of, uh, get a handle on some of the habits that are hurting either our health or our relationships. Uh, we re- or we we resolve to finally finish that basket weaving project, or to you know to go do that skydiving thing, get it checked off of our bucket list. This December, I decided that I wanted to start the new year with something a, a little more Christ-centered, a little more uh, spiritual uh, than New Year's resolutions. And in my quest to do that, I came across a book called My One Word. And the book is co-authored by a pastor, Mike Ashcraft, and one of the women from his church, Rachel Olson. And Rachel begins the book with a story illustrating the importance and the power of words in our lives. She teaches a public speaking uh, course at the university at a university, and she begins each semester the same way. She begins with this exercise. She invites the students to take out a piece of paper, to tear it into three pieces uh, of, of paper, and some of them, you know, carefully crease it and cut it, and others just rip into three pieces, depending on their personality. But she invites them then to uh, take the first piece of paper, paper and draw a creepy bug on it. Whatever, you know, you, just creeps you out, you wouldn't want to have it crawling up your leg, whatever. Draw a bug on it. And then she has them take the second piece of paper and write on it um, the name of a food that they just find disgusting. Uh, maybe they, they don't like the texture of it, they don't like the smell of it, the taste of it, just a food that they dislike on that second piece of paper. Then on the final sheet of paper, she has them write down the term that they use for their mother or their mother figure. So for most people, it's just the word mom, you know, M-O-M. Um, others might put the name of their stepmother on there. Uh, for others that live with a grandparent, you know, they might put ama or nana or, you know, whatever their term of endearment is for their grand, their grandparent. Uh, so now they all have something on their three pieces of paper, and she invites them to stand up next to their desk. And she asks them to pull out the first piece of paper, the one with the bug drawn on it, and she throws hers down on the floor, and she steps on it and stomps on it and squashes it, and she invites them to do the same. They kind of look around at each other a little questioning, but they smile, and they throw their paper down, and they squish their bug. You know, hers was a centipede. Uh, mine would be a stink bug, but uh, but then it would smell, and that gets into a whole other thing. But uh, then she puts, proceeds to... Uh, invite the class to stomp on their bug. Then she holds up the second piece of paper, and hers says beets across it in large, bold letters. And she invites them to throw that piece of paper down and stomp, you know, yuck on their broccoli or their Brussels sprouts or or whatever it is. And by this time, you know, they're talking, they're laughing, they're thinking this is going to be a great class, and they're stomping on their green beans or whatever they're most disliked food is. But then she holds up the third 
piece of paper. And she says, um, okay, now, to kind of get their attention back. And she says, now, take this third piece of paper and stomp on it. And she puts her word mom down. And she stomps on it. And she looks around, and no one is moving. No one is stomping. And they're all looking at each other kind of quizzical, and they're looking at her in disbelief. That she, she would ask them to stomp on this word mother. And despite her urgings um, in over a decade of teaching, she's never had a class do anything but stare at her in disbelief. And even when she reminds them that if your mother were here, she would tell you, do what the teacher says. And they all nod in agreement, but no one moves. Why? Because words have meaning. They're more than a collection, collection of letters. They, they represent something. And the word mom represents not only their mother, but the role of mother. In essence, she was asking them to stomp on everything that's loving and nurturing and life-giving and good. And, you know, words are more than squiggly lines on paper or sound waves. They have power. They have meaning. They move us to action. They motivate us to do good. And Pastor Mike Ashcraft, the other author of the My One Word book, discovered how powerful and transforming one word can be, especially when that one word is paired with God's word. And so several years ago, he invited his congregation to go through some steps and pick one word that they would use throughout the year as kind of a lens, a way to focus on an area of their life that they wanted to see God transform and change. And at the time, he thought, well, you know, this is just another message series, a one-time thing. But God used it so powerfully in their church that they've made it a yearly series at their church. And and each person picks a different word every year. And they found that by focusing on one word instead of a list of resolutions, that God was bringing about real change in people's lives. And as I read some of the stories in the book, it convinced me to throw away the New Year's resolution idea and pick my one word for 2018. And as we begin a new year, I want to invite you to try something different with me this year. And normally, I would do this like for a year and then, you know, be able to ask next year ask you guys to do it with me. I don't have that kind of time now. Uh, so I'm just going to ask you to do this experiment with me. And, you know, I've had two primary goals as a pastor um, from the very beginning. The first is offer them Jesus. Um, when I started my ministry, I had a whiteboard in my office, and I wrote offer them Jesus in big letters because, you know, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. And, and so God just reminded me, offer them Jesus. It's, it's plain and simple. The second goal um, has always been, uh, from Colossians 1.28. This was actually Paul's goal, the Apostle Paul's goal before mine. But Colossians 1.28 says, Him, uh, which is Jesus, we proclaim. So he's the greatest treasure. He's where we start. Um, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may, may present everyone mature in Christ. Uh, that's been my goal, that everyone would be mature in Christ. Because um, if you're mature in Christ, not only do you have eternal life, you have a good life. 
And that's what I want for people. And I've tried to provide all kinds of ways to help you grow to maturity in Christ. Uh, the message notes, the responses on the back of your connection card, memory verses, uh, images and videos that try to communicate the message on Sunday, an occasional bookmark, which you'll find in your bulletin today. And I'm hoping that this one-word process will be a tool that I can leave with you that uh, you can use every year, even after I'm gone and you're saying, what was that pastor's name, you know, three pastors ago? Uh, so if you're willing to jump in and do something different this year, let's walk through that sheet that you'll find there in your uh, bulletin. Uh, I'll see if I can make it clear enough for you to pick your one word this year as well. So as it says there, you'll choose one single word that gives you a picture of where you want to be at the end of 2018. And, and there's really just a few simple steps for picking that word. And the first one is listed there. It says, determine the kind of person you believe you, God is calling you to become. Uh, decide what kind of person do you want to become by the end of 2018. So, so you're beginning with the end in mind, right? That That's always good. And you know, this desire to change is pretty much a universal thing. That's why they're New Year's resolutions, right? Uh, new Year, we want to start fresh. As Christians, we understand that the di desire for transformation and change comes from the realization that we're not yet all God created us to be. And um, we are made in the image of God, and our heart and our soul longs to be transformed and made uh, move back towards that image that was lost at the fall. So... New Year's resolutions, you know, well, we try to make changes. But one of the problems with New Year's resolutions is they're usually something that we're trying to stop doing. You know, this year I'm going to stop swearing, or this year I'm going to stop spending more than I make. Um, the goal of, of my one word, though, is to be future-oriented and to be vision-casting. So instead of stopping... Uh, to stop swearing, the goal is to become the kind of person for whom foul language has no attraction. Instead of trying to control your spending, the goal of my one word would be uh, to become the kind of person who's content in Jesus Christ. And so the first step in selecting your word for 2018 is to sit down and to think about what kind of person do I want to become. And, and this is about character formation. So go deeper than I want to be kind, become the kind of person who's 10 pounds lighter than I am <laughs> right now, you know. Um, the Bible teaches us that everything flows out of the heart. So we need to be guarding our heart. We need to be monitoring our heart and continually allow God to transform and change our character. So what kind of person do you want to be at heart? Choosing a word... Um, uh, is meant to help you be forward-looking and vision-casting. So maybe you want to be a more patient person, uh, a more grounded-in-scripture person, a bolder person, stronger person. Um, maybe you want to be the kind of person who puts people before technology. Uh, if so, maybe your, your word is going to be untethered or something. Maybe you want to be someone who li lives a less frazzled uh, pace. After you've determined what kind of change is needed, what kind of person you want to become, 
Then the second step is to identify the characteristics needed to become that kind of person. So what, once you know what kind of person you want to be, then simply begin to create a list of the major characteristics of that kind of person. Are they gentle? Are they generous? Are they faithful? Trusting? Patient? Etc. Uh, what kind of qualities or traits do that kind of person uh, have? And your list can be nouns, it can be verbs, it can be adjectives, adverbs, uh, it can be doing words or being words. Uh, and once you've completed that list, then begin to pray about it, look at the list and cross off things uh, so that you get it down to the short list. And by that time, uh, if, you, if you can't decide, maybe you want to look up some of these words in a concordance in the Bible or in a dictionary or something, but there's going to come a point where it's like God's pointing at the word and saying, it's that one, all right? So when you get to that point, simply pick a word. That's your third step. Simply pick a word. Just pick one word. No, don't two or three, don't hyphenate. Just one word, <laughs> no slashes. One word that represents what you most hope to see God do in your life. And as I was thinking about this for myself, I decided that by the end of 2018, I wanted to be the kind of person who was at the center of God's will for me at this new season of my life. You know, I'm retiring uh, in July. We don't have any idea where we're going to church. We don't know what new thing God's going to call us to do or how he's going to ask us to be in ministry in, in this new time. So I, I decided that by the end of 2018, what I really wanted would be to be at the center of God's will for that season of my life. So I sat down and I started making this list, and I realized if I'm going to be at the center of God's will, then I need to be quiet. I need to listen, right? I need to be open for new things that might stretch me. And after making this list and praying about it, I, I chose the word listen. And the scripture I chose was from Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Right? Be still and know that I'm God. Listen. So I picked this word. And the thing is, we get to pick our word, but we don't get to pick how God will use it in our life. All right? So words have meaning, right? And they often have more than one meaning. And God will use it in more than one way. And I first picked the word listen because I knew that to be at the center of God's will for my life. I needed to listen. But over the last couple of weeks as I've been uh, journaling on this and keeping it in front of me uh, in my daily devotion, God's been speaking to me and showing me that my word has much more uh, broad, uh, is much more broad than just listening for his direction. Uh, I need to listen to Forrest. I was waiting for him to pass out back there, but he's, he's like, wait, that's not in the notes. But God's been speaking to me about that. I need to listen to my body and get the rest that I need, those kind of things. And yesterday during my devotion, I was reading the book of James. In James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, I came across these words. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness 
that God desires. It's like, wait a minute, God. <laughs> when I picked the word, listen, I just wanted some guidance for my retirement. <laughs> I didn't know we were going to go here, right? But see, if I'm going to, and if you're going to allow God to use the word to transform your character, he may use it in ways that you didn't uh, intend or originally think of. And I had to agree that if I were quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry, I would be becoming more and more the person who's at the center of God's will for them. But then it went on. <laughs> one verse later, James 1.25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like, Someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Do, do you see how picking one word, God can use it as kind of a focused lens to speak to you and change you in a variety of ways. Be quick to listen. Don't just listen, but do what you hear. So don't be over like concerned about getting that perfect word because God will use whatever you pick. And there are no rules about which words you can pick. One woman picked the word shh, right? <laughs> just get quiet. Another guy picked SpongeBob. Uh, he was, as he was thinking and watching Spongebob one day, he thought, that's how I want to be. He's always smiling. He, he gets along with everyone, even Squidward, who hates him. He, he seems to rebound from all kinds of uh, disasters. And uh, he decided that Spongebob sum, summed up the happy, forgiving, fun-loving guy that he wanted to be. So that was his word. So after you've thought, reflected, and prayed, take a step of faith. Pick one word. And then choose a scripture to go with it. And, and this is so important. For instance, if, if you want to be a more patient person, you might choose the word wait. And your scripture might be from Lamentations 3.24, which says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. And it's important to pair your word with God's word. Isaiah 55.11 says that God's word never returns void. To him. It always accomplishes its purposes. So if you'll pick a word, pick a scripture to go with your word, and keep that word in scripture in front of you, God will use it throughout the year in your life. In your bulletin is that bookmark that I mentioned earlier, and there's a place there to write down your word and to write down your scripture. And this is one way that I'm hoping to help you keep the word in front of you. And that's the fourth step keep your word in front of you. Find as many ways as possible to keep this word in front of you throughout the year. You could print it out and, you know, put it on your uh, mirror. You can put it in your car, put it on your desk or all three. If you're on Facebook, you could go on to Pinterest and find, you know, how they have the word art. Find your word if it's there and use it as your profile or uh, pick. Um, that'll be big with the guys getting on Pinterest, right? 
Hey, but you guys, you know, you could take a chainsaw or something and go out in the woods and cut yourself a coaster or something and wood burn it on there. I don't know. You guys use coasters? I don't know. But, uh, get a vanity license plate. Find a theme song with your word in it. You can make the, your computer password. Change it to, to your word. Have a T-shirt or a keychain made with your word. Stencil it on your wall. Find as many ways as you can to keep it in front of you. But one of the best ways to keep your word in front of you is to journal, uh, to take time to write. Um, I've got several books, notebooks up here. If you don't have one at one, you can t- home, you can take one of these. You can write, you can draw, but journaling is one of not only the best way to keep it in front of you, but to record and track what God is doing in you. Uh, it's a great way to do that. So pick a word, find a variety of ways to keep it in front of you um, all year long. Our memory verse this week comes from Psalm 90, verse 12. Let's read it together. Psalm 90, 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Psalm 90, 12. Teach us to number our days. Help us remember our time is short. And when we remember that our days are limited, we'll want to use our time wisely. And, you know, I wonder if I ask you, ask the question, how did you see God working in your life last year or the year before or the year before that? How many of you would be able to quickly come up with an answer? You know, the years slip by and we miss opportunities to see God do great work in our lives. And this my one word um, is a very easy way to help you track spiritual growth. My hope is that you'll be able to look back on 2018 and say, 2018 was the year I learned to listen, or it was the year I learned to find contentment in Christ, or 2018 was the year I uncluttered my life to make more time for my family, more time for God. Whatever it is for you, by focusing on one word this year and then another word next year and so on, you'll be able to look back and easily remember what God was doing in you and how he was changing and transforming your life each year. My one word is one way to number our days and live more fully the life that Jesus Christ has come to give us. Let's pray. Loving God, I I thank you for this uh, group of people and and their love for you. That's why we're here this morning. We, we just love you, Jesus. And we want to be more like you. And I pray that you'll help us, Lord, to find as many ways to move towards that as we can. And I thank you for this uh, opening this morning, this opportunity. I pray that you'll help each person who has a willing heart to, to pick their word and then to use it in their life this year. And I thank you, God, for the ways that um, you're at work in our lives, whether we realize it or not. And for what you want to do, help us to have eyes to see that and move towards it. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.